my mindset when going out is like, how do I add value to their life? Or how do I, how can I introduce someone to someone else where they're going to benefit? How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am back today to interview Francis Mangabot. So Francis is living in one of my favorite cities in, in the U.S., one of my favorite cities in the world, Philadelphia. I remember the first time I got to go travel there a couple of years ago, kind of with my family. We had just started homeschooling, and it's like, it, you start seeing all these things, you're like, whoa, Monopoly was based off, off of Philadelphia, right? You see so much stuff out there uh, as you start to really experience it. So the Francis, how's it going, man? Aaron, it's um, going really well. I uh, just got done a closing, just got done lunch, and uh, yeah, I got my uh, cold brew Lacolome coffee with uh, an espresso shot in it, and uh, it's crazy. Philadelphia, actually, uh, Todd Carmichael, the CEO of Lacolome, signed his first um, first Lacolome on 19th and Walnut. I think he's still locked into a long-term lease paying $1,900 a month. Yeah. yeah, that is that, that is some really crazy stuff. It's so much real estate history there. I mean, so much kind of U.S. world history there. So are you from Philadelphia originally? No. So uh, I was actually born in Manila in the Philippines. I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old, lived in Chicago, Illinois for a year, Buffalo, New York for four, four years, grew up in central Delaware, and I, I majored in finance at the University of Delaware. And then I graduated in 2016, and at that time, I was considering, I knew I wanted to get into real estate, so I was considering either doing real estate in New York, Los Angeles, or Philadelphia. I picked Philadelphia because, I mean, I started, I was paying $800 a month for rent living in my buddy's new construction house compared to New York and LA, really high overhead. I'd be paying like 2500 to 3000 a month. So just getting out of college, Philadelphia made sense for me. Yeah, so still a pretty cool, fun city life, but just a, like a third of the cost of some of those big cities, just a few hour drive away. Yeah, third of the cost. And uh, I saw the opportunity in the city with owning real estate and uh, development. So I, I'd say absolutely made the right decision. Yeah, so now you've been an agent for, I think you said four years, right? Four 26, years. 26 years old, really crushing it. How many transactions did you do last year? So last year we did around 212 transactions, 85 million in volume. 85 million in volume. And so the, and you do that with, and so just four years in, I mean, we like saying that at the beginning, just so people know that they should be listening, right? 212 transactions, 85 million, that's big volume out there. So, so I think you do that yourself or with a team? Yep. So with a team. So my business partner, he is a general contractor. And, uh, you know, he built like 80 units in the last two years. And then our team now is uh, 10 agents and uh, two admin and then uh, definitely looking to grow. Yeah, as you grow that. So what was your first year like in, in real estate? So you, you're already living in Philadelphia. You got your license. Where did you go to work when you first got your license? 
So when I first got started, um, my mentor, uh, his name is Antonio Atticon. He is a Wharton alumni. He was uh, the number four agent in the country for Prudential, Fox and Roach. They had like 95 million in sales as a team, 35 million in sales himself. So that when I was first getting started, I was looking for, I wanted to learn from someone who is the absolute best. And so my first nine months in the business, 2016, did like four to four and a half million in sales. And I'd say like 80% buy side. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three-minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy-to-follow tips that you can follow on it like a day-to-day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the Six Steps for Seven Figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is a time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. How did you get those buyer clients your first? Because that's a lot of transactions your first year. I mean, you had a good you had a good mentor that got to guide you, but how would you go get those buyer clients? So definitely open houses. I would do uh, four every single weekend. Um, no excuses. You know, I, I would do uh, eleven to one, and then one thirty to three thirty every single weekend. And I'd say uh, I had a business and I made money while in college, so I had a really good amount of savings set aside. So. Um, I actually did like breakfast, lunch, and dinner out every single day with uh, someone of influence and like most people that did better financially than me. So I was able to build a very strong network of referrals right away. That's really interesting. So at the very beginning, you did four open houses a weekend. So that's a really, like if somebody was going to set up a goal list or kind of like a, this is what I should do, right? Four open houses a weekend, that's simple. Four different houses going out there and getting yourself out there. And then you also said that, essentially every meal. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, you made it, you made it an intention to say, who am I going to go to lunch with right now? Who am I going to go to dinner with right now? A lot of people wouldn't think about that as like part of your goal list and part of the way to, to broaden that. I think that's a, that's, that's a unique perspective to say you were super intentional about making sure you always had meals with new influential people and, and doing those open houses. Anything else that you thought that you can think of in that first year that helped you get some of those extra clients? 
So what I would say, Aaron, is that I, I made like real, like to go hand in hand with the, uh, um, eating out every single meal, the top, top agents that were in my brokerage, like, uh, you know, Sky Michaels, who had like a 60 million a year team, um, Kristen Daly, my friend, you know, did like 30, 40 million a year team, you know, Noah Ostroff, who at one point had a 250 million a year team. I was, uh, you know, taking them out to like lunch, dinner. And it wasn't like, you know, hey, let's go to like McDonald's for lunch or dinner. I'd take them to like the nicest places like Barclay Prime where they have a $120 cheesesteak just so, you know, they would remember me. And for me, I want to add value to their life and what they're doing just because anyone who makes a million dollars a year, their time's worth $500 an hour. So if I'm taking them out to a two hour lunch, it's technically a thousand bucks that I'm netting in my pocket. And what what's dinner going to cost for that? It's like two, three hundred dollars. So I, I'm actually benefiting more from learning from them and having them take two hours of um, their day to kind of help me and do me a favor. Yeah. Now I, I like that. I like that perspective and that thinking behind it. So you, you kind of really quickly said you had a business in college that helped you get that savings. What was that business that you had in college? Yeah. So um, I did uh, direct sales for a company, Isogenics. It's a health and wellness company. And then uh, I worked at JP Morgan. I was making uh, 25 bucks an hour interning. So, so I, I made like, I made like 70 grand my senior year, which was. Yeah, you know, you're doing that while you're going to school. What's funny is that you were actually able to stop doing that. I think a lot of people at 22, if they're making 70 grand a year, they're like, why, why do anything different? Right? Like why, why should I change? You know, I think a lot of people think that's doing really, really well. Um, did at that time, did you ever think of, Hey, maybe I should just keep working at JP Morgan and doing this. Or did you know for sure? It's like, no, real estate was going to be your thing. Yeah, so I knew that J.P. Morgan was not the move because uh, Delaware is like a you know middle middle business school. It's not like uh, the Ivies and like Harvard and um, NYU that you know J.P. Morgan and like their front office or the big investment banks and hedge funds are recruiting out of the, those schools. Like like the back office and let's say big four accounting firms recruited out of Delaware and you know, I'd say you're on a track to make six figures by like late twenties. And so for me, I just knew that I could do better. And so like I met this guy, Aaron Biles, who's a really good friend of mine. He was the number one agent on Antonio's team. He was doing 10 million a year in sales consistently. So, all right, 10 million in sales, he's making over 200 grand. He's doing better than my mom, who's uh, an OBGYN and went through, you know, medical school residency and, and basically, you know, she didn't start making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year until she was in her like, like mid thirties. So that's why real estate made a lot of sense for me to get in. That's, I mean, that's a really interesting comparison. So you got to see somebody here and go, wait, he's doing really, really good. And my mom has a medical degree and it's like, and it's the same. And you're like, but really, I mean, you had just got your college degree, but people can get into real estate with no degree. Right. They can jump right yeah. into it. 18 years old. Like they, there, there isn't a business in the world like that that you can go make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year with no degree. Or maybe there is, but I, I don't know what it is. So Aaron, what's really funny is that my buddy, Aaron Biles, he actually dropped out of Penn State. But, you know, he tells everyone he went to Penn State and then no one asked, hey, did you actually graduate from Penn State? Yeah. And then, yeah, the second thing, I kind of looked at my career and I thought, hey, if I don't make any money for four years, I'm still doing better than if I were to go pay 
you know, $200,000 to go, you know, be a physician. But it, I mean, I, I also think that most um, physicians like go to school just because they want to make an impact on the world and, you know, look at, you know, all the frontline um, COVID warriors that are just saving the planet. So I think it's more honorable. Or like, I, I, I think you're right. I think the, in <laughs> fairness, I think of stuff in money, a lot of sense, right? I think, I think of a lot of value. Yeah, me too. But yeah, but like you're right. A doctor doesn't necessarily go become a doctor because of the money. They they also they also I think they love what they do. I think most attorneys. Absolutely. I think most attorneys probably do it for the money. But but, uh, but I guess that as we get there, so it says you're ranked number five uh, for volume in Philadelphia. When when was that? Was that the last couple of years? That was uh, June of 2020. So June of 2020, ranked number five in volume for Philadelphia. And there's a lot of people doing real estate out there now. You also own real estate. Out, out here. So you're also an investor, right? So what, tell me a little I bit do. about your investments. So Aaron, um, I ended up buying a house every single year, you, you know, primary residence, getting the best financing. And then after a year, I'll go move out and do another one. And so I, I'd say that that's the best move to make if you're you know, just getting started and aren't making a whole lot of money. And then once you start making money and you have just like hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank, that's when you can start to do um, more complex transactions. So right now I'm actually, uh, you know, building my own house. It's in a uh, graduate ho- the Northern part of graduate hospital, which is a 10 minute walk to Rittenhouse square, which is like the premium premium Philadelphia location. It's kind of comparable to central park in New York, but I'll be in my house for like 700 to $750,000 all in acquisition, hard cost, soft cost. And it'll be worth a million to 1.1 and then live in it for two years, sell it, take quarter million bucks tax-free, which is like making, you know, $450,000 ordinary income. Yeah. So, so people that are listening out there, I mean, so that's the idea of if you own a house for over two years before you sell it, it's taxed at such a smaller rate the, that it's, it's similar to making, you know, less money that's taxed at that normal rate, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the deals. And then, you know, I, like my, I'm fortunate to where my clients are some of the most successful and most sophisticated developers in Philadelphia. So I invest with my clients too. We have a project where it's like we're building three houses for one and a half million dollars each. And then uh, I'm going to invest in another one of my clients, which is uh, it's uh, 25 units with 17 parking spots. So yeah, I mean, just to, it, just a broad overview of everything. I, I'd say that one of my uh, very, very good friends from high school, um, he works at Centerview Partners, or he used to work there. Um, like one of the most, you know, prestigious investment banks in the world. And I said, hey, the principals of your company are billionaires. And like you are around some, some of the most sophisticated people in the world. What have you learned from them about personal finance and personal investing? And then he's like, well, it's just like, what's your IRR on investments? So that's just what I look at. Like, where am I going to hit the highest IRR? Yeah. And the, when you end up investing with your partner, so it started as you were an agent and then you would you know, buy a house every year and you'd live in it. And the next year you would like, keep it, rent it, buy another house, keep the, the good interest rate. If you sold a house, you'd wait for two years to make sure that you got that. But it's then you met some along the way. Some uh, developers became your clients and your friends. And when you invest with them, 
alongside their projects. Like they're going to build three custom homes and they're going to sell them. Are you also the agent that sells them at that point? Does someone on your team do that yes. or is that totally different? No, it's me. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I work like 80 to a hundred hours a week. Yeah. So the, and I think too, is that, that's probably a way that some agents can get more business, right? Like finding the developers saying, Hey, let me invest alongside you. What do you need to do that development? And then to be able to get that, uh, were you listing houses for these people before you became an investor for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say, you know, um, raising capital for developers is, you know, definitely above and beyond the scope of being an agent. So like, yeah. I'd say like, the developers that I'm closest with and that I go like above and beyond for it's a two way street. So when uh, I think when there's a new agent and you just um, get your license and a developer tells you, Oh, you know, well, if you find me a deal, then, you know, you can list it, you know, down the road. Whereas like a very seasoned agent like myself, that's not really that appealing anymore because I have a ton of, you know, buyers and sellers that want to go sell houses. I like earlier this year, I gave, uh, you know, an agent on my team a lead for 1.1 million. I mean, I give leads for like 800,000 just this weekend, just gave a listing for 350,000. So the, yeah, I'd say the developers that I take on and go above and beyond, like I help, I go and get friends of mine to go support their projects when they're trying to get a variance for units or I'm coming up with, you know, helping them out with their pro formas and helping them select finishes. Those are, uh, I'd say like really, really good clients of mine where if they go and pick up other stuff, they're, they're definitely going to sell that um, through me. Like if they go find it elsewhere. So I, I'd say I have a lot of uh, very, very loyal clients too. And I, you know, I take, I take mental notes and uh, you know, they, they, I, I know who's loyal and who's not. And you know, the most loyal ones get the best, get the best in return for me. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners. I am sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break. But this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need. And this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not. Or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a formal, it's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two-day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you can go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I'm, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, on how to you know do title, you know go to auction, also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great, great content that I just recorded on there uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called Padhawk. 
and in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What you know, everyone is really, really busy right now, and we're so, so busy. People are selling, and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're they can't find houses. Well, Padhawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So let's go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month, but nationwide, any city out there, and it is a great way to find houses. So right now, people are saying there's lots of buyers, but we can't find enough houses. Well, maybe you can use this software. You'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house. All right, back to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break. We've had a few people come on and talk about the idea of having some clients that are, you know, sellers, some that are buyers, but also having some clients that are investors because investors, you know, a client, if you help them buy or sell a house, there's a decent chance that every few years you could be their client again, but an investor, you know, you know, client, there's a chance that you could sell two or three houses for them every single year. Right. And so giving them, do you feel like you give them, you know, do you, do you, did you narrow in on them early on and say, Hey, if I can do a really good job for this investor, he's going to get me a lot more leads. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I actually have two clients from uh, North New Jersey and um, in like New York City, Alpine area, where um, they both started with, um, they just built eight houses to kind of get started, get their feet wet in the Philadelphia market. And uh, they gave me like a, a test. They gave me one house to sell. It was in Fishtown, which Forbes named hottest neighborhood in America like two, three years ago. So, uh, yeah, I sold that house when it was drywalled and, uh, I'd say that opened up the opportunity to the other eight units. And it's funny now both guys are doing, they split their partnership, but they're doing fifth units themselves. So yeah, I have, a you know, a fair amount of clients that have that type of, uh, experience. I, I mean, I, I work with, you know, big, bigger developers um i mean maybe not as big as like ryan serhant where you're selling out you know <laughs> where you have a building that's like a couple billion bucks in out sales yeah but, uh, the, yeah it's one of the when you get one of those uh, kind of clients where you get to sell out for those those developers it adds up the it still might yeah, be a test though right like i had i yeah. was selling five houses out in sacramento and you know there were houses that we built and the first one when i you know i hired an agent for it that was a friend of mine but the, at the beginning, it was like, hey, we'll have, you, we'll have you do one, right? And if you do a great job, then maybe we'll do the other ones. And, the, and she did so worked so hard on that first one, doing everything to get it sold, then it made it really simple to say, okay, you can now list the next four, and, and that one deal turns into five. So the, uh, I think as people go out and work extra hard, I mean, they, people should work extra hard for their clients no matter what. Because if you work, do a really good job, they tell friends, they tell people, and it builds. Uh, but there are, are also some clients out there that are going to do a lot of transactions in the same year. You talked about having a million dollar lead and giving it to someone on your team. When you do something like that, is it, is it just a, hey, here's the lead and you do it? Do you do referral fees when you pass leads on to people when you're too busy? What, what, what's, what are people doing when they do that? Yeah, so on my team, um, leads that um, are generated by the team, which is like me, my partner, and you know, I think we've given away like maybe like 
seven, seven we'll probably give away like seven to ten million of business this year just from like our network. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's at a fifty percent split for our team. Okay. And, yeah. So, I, so, I know so some people right do now, lower, some people do higher. What percentage of your listings are from your developers right now? Say seventy percent. And what about the other 30% of business that you're doing? Where are you getting, is it, is it buy side? Is it sell side? Uh, what are you doing? So I'd say I'm 70% listings, 30% buyers. And then out of my, so my 70% of my business is listings. I'd say 70% of that is from developers and the other 30% sphere. And then I'd say my 30% of buyers are all sphere. Like all my business is sphere of influence. Are those buyers mostly trying to get houses or are those buyers also investors trying to get deals and invest places? Both. Yeah. Um, And and I'd say, I'd say it's um, like one of the things that I've been fortunate to be able to do is I am, I guess now I'm in like the, I don't know how to call it, like the high income, like Philadelphia friend group to where, you know, like, I have friends all the time who want to go buy houses like 500,000 to a million dollars. And it's, it's a great, you know, it's great to be in the network or in the friend group. Yeah. But that was a friend group. I mean, you were intentional about building that group, right? You absolutely, you wanted to go because a lot of people will say "Uh, housing prices aren't that here or, Hey, I don't have a bunch of uh, friends that can buy 500,000 to a million dollar houses, but you didn't either when you started getting into real estate, I mean, you told the story at the beginning, how intentional you were about, about taking people out to lunch and becoming friends with them and then being able to get invited. And so I think that that's an important like caveat to remind people, right? Like your friend group has brought you huge, huge deals now, but you building a high network worth friend group that wasn't just handed to you. You built that, you worked hard for it and now it's paying off in spade. Absolutely. And what I would say, Aaron, to that is that um, my intention when I was um, like, going out and grabbing lunch and stuff. It's not to like, Hey, let me do this so I can go and get business in return. Because I always like, I always had money. Like even when I first started. So my mindset when going out is like, how do I add value to their life? Or how do I, you know, how can I introduce someone to someone else where they're going to benefit? And I'd say that has really like helped me out. I'd say a lot of, I have a lot of people that go out of the way to, I'd say it's better to be owed favors than you owing someone else favors. So I'd say I have a lot of people who owe me favors and it's kind of like when you, when you go and pick up the phone, is the person, you know, is the other person going to pick the phone up right away or are they going to like reply with some automated text message and they'll call you like later down the road. So I always, you know, like to add so much value that, when I'm calling, they're going to pick up right away or they're going to text me, hey, I can chat in like 30 minutes. Yeah. The, it makes so much sense. So average sales price where, where you're at, the, what, what's that for? I mean, you do, you're doing all sorts of different versions, but of your 112 transactions? I'd say, you know, for the team, I mean, maybe like 400,000. Yeah. 400,000. I'd say mine's probably like higher than that. So a lot of people, so you talk about having this, this friend group and you're getting a lot of listings from that. There's a lot of people out there that, that don't want to ask their friends for business, right? They're like, how do you, they don't want to come off pushy and that sort of thing. How do you make sure that your friends come to you? How do you make sure they know you're in real estate uh, that there, cause there's probably a few guys in your network that also do real estate. So the, 
have you had, have you struggled with that at all? Being able to tell somebody like, Hey, like as a reminder, like, Hey, I'm an agent. Like if you're thinking about it, like I should be your guy. Is it, is it like that? You, you, know, you know, it's funny. Like I never even tell people that I'm in real estate. I actually like make it a point not to tell people what I do okay. and I'm in real estate. But uh, I'd say have like a social, very strong social media presence. And I'm almost like an influencer that like, it's just kind of like who I am. And I'd say when people are introducing me now to like friends and stuff, they're like, you've got to work with Francis. Like, and it, it's kind of like just a part of who I am. So like, I actually make it a point not to tell people that I'm in real estate. Which is, I think, the opposite of what training is to all new agents. Yeah, like, like there's a lot of training out there that says you have to go do the ask. So, so when you meet somebody, I mean, people, I guess people are always asking, but if you just meet somebody, hey, it's a new friend, you're not going to talk about real estate, you're not going to talk about what you did this week. If they go find you on social media, is your social media, is it obvious on your social media that you do real estate? Yeah, so my, here, let me pull my Instagram background. It's uh, my Instagram bio, so it's... Um, Advanced fully co-founder, 85 million year um, real estate team, real estate investor, proud UDAL alum. So, so I, I guess that way, if you're just meeting people and not telling them, right? And they go find you on yeah. social media and become friends, then they're going to be like, oh, all right, Francis does real estate, right? So that way you don't have to, yeah. you don't have to do a hard sale when you meet them, you know, it, because that sale could happen later. It's just, it's kind of in their face there. And, and what I would say, Aaron, too, is that I... Um, I guess I make a very strong first impression. I'd say like New York and LA are very like super stylish um, and Philadelphia is not, but I'd say I do carry like the New York and LA swag. So yeah, I mean, you know, and then it's funny, like, or go, like if, you know, we're grabbing happy hour or someone like, I think most people already know that like I, do well in real estate. So, and what I think about real estate too, it's a very sexy topic to speak about. Like people want to know more and you look at the shows like, you know, million dollar listing and all the flip shows and selling sunset. People love to talk about real estate. So like most of the time people are just asking me, I feel like financial planning and insurance, like people hate talking about, but with real estate, it's like people are just always, always asking. Oh yeah. I mean, and TV is totally, you know, amplified that every time I tell somebody that I flip houses, they're always like, do you know, Chip and Joe, have you seen this show? Like what, you know, what everything, there's so many, you know, flip this house and there is, you know, real TV has made real estate a lot more exciting, a lot more fun. And I think you're right. Then people do like talking about it. They like thinking about it. Uh, they're becoming investors, becoming you know, agents, uh, all sorts of different things. So what would you, what advice would you give to, new agents getting started, right? So you're four years in, you're doing really, really well. You were able to find a mentor early on and you had success pretty quickly in that first year. That's not, that's not normal. A lot of the 30 under 30 people we've been interviewing the last week, they did have really strong first couple of years, but most people in real estate don't have that. So what would you be telling somebody that's just getting started? They're a few months in, you know, they aren't really seeing that yet. What advice would you give them on how to start getting busy in real estate? What I would say, Aaron, is you go find the number one, number two, number three people in your market, and you literally beg them to get a spot on their team. Okay. Just find the people there and say, hey, I just, I just want to be on your team. I just want to be in your network because maybe they're going to get you some leads and you're going to learn the system. I, I wouldn't even say leads because I'd rather be taught 
how to fish than be given fish. I mean, my little brother is on my team and he hasn't gotten a single like for sale lead from me because I, for our team, we don't do like a round robin on leads. It's the best agents get the best leads. Um, so, you know, I'm um, Catherine on our team. Um, she did like 25 million in sales last year. She's the one that got the $1.1 million lead. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to learn from top, top producers. And, uh, it's funny, like, um, my buddy, my good buddy, Mike McCann, I think he did like 380 million in, uh, sales last year. Um, probably like one of the top Keller Williams agents in the country. He was previously like the number one agent at Berkshire Hathaway. I've learned so much from him. And, uh, it's funny. I'm like, dude, you could have had me on your team. Like I, you were my first cold call, like to get started because you were the number one agent, but I get it. I mean, like top producers are so, so busy and phones are always blowing up that it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard for a top producer to take a new, new agent. Yeah. I think that's great advice though. I don't, I don't remember hearing that anytime recently with any of our guests on there and it is a different perspective. So if people are, hey. people are getting started, find those people that are really crushing it in your market, reach out to all of them and say, Hey, I want to be on your team. And if you get your foot in the door, then, then uh, you get to start trying to see how you can provide that value too. So what about, you know, we, so we have a fun question sometimes. It's like, so if you were, if you were on stage giving a Ted talk, right? Like if you had, what would, what, what's your, what's your elevator pitch of what you would say? And it could be real estate. It could be life skills, anything like, so you, you've had a lot of success in your life. You've tried a lot of different things. What, what's your three minutes of advice that you would give just anybody, right? Like, so here's your stage and, and what would be the most important thing to tell them? So Aaron, I actually did a Ted talk four years ago in 2016 and the Ted talk was on the importance of mentors. Okay. It's crazy that you asked that question because I feel like I I'm learning from mentors every single day and I've learned so much from my clients and colleagues that are real estate agents as well. And I'd say where the importance of mentors is really applied to me is uh, I remember at um, this social club in Philadelphia, the Fiddler club, it's kind of similar to the Soho house. Um, like really amazing, spectacular club. And through the club, the club started this mentorship program. So I just got accepted to be a mentee of uh, Dean Adler, who uh, um, he has his own uh, real estate private equity developer company, Luber Adler, where uh, I think their equity positions are worth $7 billion. It actually wow. owns this whole building. So uh, looking forward to learning a lot more too. Yeah. So the power of mentors, that's the, and, and really, and that goes to a lot, a lot of the different questions and things you've talked about, right? Is not trying to learn, not trying to learn it alone, right? You did that your very first year in real estate. You were like, Hey, who can I, who can be my mentor and who can teach me? And even right now, when you're like, what advice could you give somebody to go find that person and mentor? So that's obviously something that's brought you a lot of success. And, and what, what should that conversation be like when people are reaching out and saying, Hey, like, Hey, can you be my mentor? Like, how do you reach out to somebody? And, you know, you're a no name, they're crushing it. And how do you say, right. how do you sell yourself to have them be your mentor? I, you know, it's really funny. Like the way that I do it, like, cause I'm totally like no pressure salesperson at all. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, last year, this time last year, um, like my go-to mortgage guy, um, Rob, he probably, he'll probably do like 140 million worth of loans this year. His neighbor, is um, one of my best friends to this day. He's like an ultra luxury 
um, real estate developer. He just sold a $2 million house to a fortune 100 CEO. But um, I have a real estate deal for him where it's like an 8,000 square foot shell in the most prestigious street here in Philadelphia. So Rob introduces the two of us. I go out and meet Max, um, who's one of my best friends now. It's like, he pulls up in his car and it's like a blacked out like BMW X5. He's blaring like rap music, like illegally parks, like on the sidewalk. And I'm like, dude, like you're a pretty cool guy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. um, so we just started being friends, you know, just started, you know, working out in the morning, like started you know, going out to happy hours and to events and stuff. And we're both members here at the filler club, but I'd say like, you know, it, it wasn't like an official like mentor mentee position, but like whenever I just, want him to go take a look at a question about something like right now I'm building my own house and like, he's giving me feedback on like what should cost and like, like what pricing, what, what should, like what pricing can I get? And like, and then like now he's passing me along and helping me get some of his pricing. So I'd say in every aspect, like, I'd say it's just better to be friends with people rather than be like, like a mentor, an official like mentor, mentee type of thing. Like, like I'll give you an example. I have a, like, there's like four like incredibly, incredibly successful like athletes that live in my building. One, two, three of them have signed contracts worth over $150 million. Like when I've seen them, I'm never like, oh dude, let me take a selfie. I just like casually say what's up because I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a friend or like, I don't like, I don't want to be like that annoying guy. That's like trying to ask for autographs. It's just like, I don't know, play cool. Yeah. I like that. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a friend. And so as you're, as you're, you're intentional about reaching out and who you can get to, but the, but I guess, at, and it's just going to come down to volume and numbers too. You might have to, if you really need a mentor, you might have to reach out to 10 people you're not doing the hard sell to find that mentor that wants in, but then it can create you know, an even better relationship. So Francis, so if people want to reach out to you, if they, they're like, Hey, I, I want to join your team in Philadelphia. They want to, they want to just find you, follow some of what you're doing. What is the best way for people to reach out to you? Okay. So I'd say the best way to get connected is to uh, follow me on Instagram at Francis Mangobot, just because I post like literally my everyday life on Instagram Second thing is YouTube, subscribe like at Francis Mangobot, I'm posting like everything that they learn. The video guy that follows me around with a $10,000 camera, um, putting up a video every single week. And then the last thing I'd say, if you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at my personal email. That's uh, Francis at advancedphilly.com. Francis at advancedphilly.com. And you said you're, and that was the other kind of free gift that we talk about. You know, we, we bring something of value on here. And you said your YouTube link was a big thing where people can go on and, and learn all sorts of stuff and and uh and just let, see more of the in the life of, of what you do and how do you, how you do it yeah like I, I put videos of exactly how i bought my first house seven steps um you know from where i started and then um recently i have like a 37 minute video on uh, how i became a self-made millionaire at 25 not knowing anyone in philly that's a big one, right? How, how to become a self-made millionaire at 25. That is going to stick out. Well, Francis, I think our listeners for this episode, I think they're going to learn a lot. I think there is a different perspective than what we've heard on here recently. Such an important part of finding a good mentor, 
finding a good team and getting guidance from other people in order to be successful. And that's something that, I mean, you talked about, you gave your TED talk for a few, several years ago, and that was what it was. And since then, you've been an agent for four years, you followed your own advice, and you've really been crushing it. So congratulations on doing so, so good. Thank you for coming on the Real Estate Rockstars podcast, Francis, and maybe we'll have you back again soon. You can tell us what, what's new. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for having me on. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.